Hello. <laughs> Hello. That's a nice Hello. trick to play. <laughs> My computer was not. I I started it up five minutes ago, and it wasn't having it. It, my computer is on a holiday, like me at the minute, and it's like, no, nah, I don't want to, don't want to play. And like, I saw you ring, and I answered yes, and then it was gone. So it was like, okay. It was, it was. I rang you more just to sort of, you know, ring, ring. <laughs> I don't remember we're doing a TV show today, Bridgman. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I, I, I literally checked the date because I was like, it's not Wednesday, is it? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not 24 hours early because I is something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like yeah. checking our own quota to see if it was six. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> Actually, at the moment, first... it's like, what day is it again? I've no idea. My first... a clue. Was that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just wasn't. I was like, oh, I should have turned this off. I was happy downstairs eating my tea, watching Gilmore Girls. Then you'd have got plenty of time. I've just started watching Gilmore Girls. I never watched the rerun, the, you know, the, the, the re... The new one, the reboot. The redo, the re-new do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, love I it. absolutely I love adore it. the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it's so um, good. I started watching it from series one again. I'm, all, I'm in the middle of series two at the minute. It's a well, perfect though, isn't you know, it? You know Melissa McCarthy... Um, yeah. play Suki, the chef. Well, yeah. she's not in the redo new. No. Sequel. <laughs> sequel. No, what yeah. is wrong with me using the word sequel? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is more of a redo. It's, it is more like a re... I don't know what they call it. Reboot. Reboot. There we go. Yeah. Hey, we should, we should review programmes. <laughs> <laughs> what we should do What's is stress you out you're thinking am i doing this on my own <laughs> and then review programs <laughs> um but yes apparently um they didn't ask melissa mccarthy to do the reboot no because in, a, in an interview no, she's in the first one but i don't think she's in the reboot and right. when i saw an oh, interview when it first then. came out it came up in an, inter it came up in, I don't know, you know, when you're on the internet and you're just reading stuff after stuff. I can't remember where it's from. I can't cite my sources. But um, they said, oh, why weren't you in the, the, the reboot? And she went, it's never asked. But, right, so my understanding of the Gilmore Girls is, you've got the Gilmore Girls, I think they did about seven series. Then yeah. they buggered off for like 10 years. I only got into them once yeah. it was on Netflix. And then they had a year in the life. But Melissa McCarthy, she is in the year of the life. She is in it. She's she's in it. She's in it for like five minutes at the end. They write in that right. her character has gone off to a shack somewhere. And you're like, this would she's never happen. Her and she's gone Yeah. The, the Lorelei. We're like that, buddies, and like all the way through, she's like, I don't understand why Suki isn't, it's up in a shack somewhere. It's like, because she is, like Ray said, she's Melissa McCarthy, they probably can't afford her. But she is in that, she is I, in it. I didn't have the comments page up. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Ray. He Hi, was Ray. a superstar in the Lucy show, because for some reason, when I do my stand up with my fancy mic, 
it's fine. Yeah. But when I use my fancy mic on StreamYard, it's scratchy as shit. Know. That's weird. So, um, yeah, so luckily we've got our number one viewer who was able to go on the Lucy <laughs> show and go, it's doing that thing again, Lucy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's nice. Number one viewer or viewer? <laughs> um, we need to take a little second, actually, to just uh -huh. say hello and welcome to any possible new viewers of The Kitchen Sink that we have got because of our new partnership with Joke Pit Live. So um, we are streaming across multi-platforms. <laughs> Where are we? Because we were, we're on Twitch and we're on YouTube. What are the right, platforms so we're on the, Right, so we're on Tea Kitchen Sink on Twitch because uh -huh. that's... Uh -huh. That's our that's our house. That's our house. That's where we are. Um, yeah. But also, we always go through the um, kitchen sink YouTube because we yeah. we like to keep our shows posterity. Weirdly yeah. enough, as well, when I record back to go up on on um, Spotify, clang, um, it it's got a better uh, audio quality when I play it back through YouTube. Awesome. Again, technology that is beyond my capabilities. Um, yeah. But we're also going through Joke Pits um, Facebook, Joke Pits um, YouTube, and Joke Pits Periscope, because apparently people are still using it, and we love them for it. <laughs> Yay. I never got into Periscope. <laughs> it came and even sort of went. Yeah, I think it was around like five minutes before self-streaming happened, before like Facebook went, you can stream off us now. And, you know, and so it became a bit obsolete, yeah. I think. Periscope sort of predate, Periscope definitely predated um, Insta TV. I IGTV? Yeah. Yeah. IGTV? I just need to get a cable, one second. Okay. Right. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so I was trying to do it daintily without being seen, but that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, so for new viewers um, of The Kitchen Sink, um, it's a lovely little show where you can come to our kitchen sink, have a cuppa, settle down with us, yeah. and we do it where we do the first bit where we sort of have a gab, um, have a natter, yeah. catch up with each other. Then we yeah. bring in a wonderful guest where we discuss loosely comedy but anything that takes our fancy to be honest <laughs> yeah. if, if La you, last you week i was like the other one with larry we didn't ask her anything about her fantastic comedy career she's been on bbc sash she's been on bbc tv with um the tourist trap didn't ask her any of that <laughs> right you well, i don't know if this is true on tv but to me lucy's frozen uh there we go there we go there we go sorry i was just trying to make sure that my modem didn't go out and it went mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes but she's been on so many things and where they're going so where do you rent your ladder from <laughs> yeah <laughs> what color is your house now <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, nice. um, it's a little rest from wanging on about comedy all the time i suppose but who knows what you'll get when you go but I like uh, yeah. I like what I really like about doing Twitch TV as well is our lovely viewers and uh, everyone joins in in the conversation. So that's the that's the thing I like about it is um, you know yes. we'll, we'll be discussing anything really and and everyone on 
the comments. And it, you can never tell what's happening. Like we have a regular Jamie Nemeth. It was his birthday yesterday. So happy birthday, Jamie. Um, but who knows if he'll be here. He might be hangover. Um, you know, we've got Ray. Hi, Ray. Lovely to see you. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I like about it anyway. So we can all have a bit of a chat, get everyone involved, isn't it? And of course, yes. we've got the Spotify um, well- listeners. Uh, yes, I know. So I don't know what Welcome to the Kitchen Sink in Nigerian is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should make an attempt to learn it. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're trying to, <laughs> like, no, we're, we're trying to learn English. That's why we're listening. <laughs> we want to get on What was I going to say to you, Lucy? Have you, have you looked at our viewership this, this week yet on um, the old podcast? Um, I have, and um, 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 what's his name? What's his name? Drew Taylor is doing well. Um, I mean, I know, I know, we stand by our product. We absolutely stand by our product, and we 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 love we love what we're doing. But I mean, because we don't sort of um, promote, you know, promote the podcast like aggressively. No, we haven't got any aggressive marketing going on with the podcast. It's sort of like people are listening to it. <laughs> and it, totally it's not because we don't have totally faith wise. in the product. We're just like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nice. It's oh, really mate, nice. It's so rubbish today. Oh, no. Um, it's easy to bring up on my... Oh, right. So we've had 10 plays of Drew Taylor and I need to put it up a couple of days ago because um, I'm sure there's an easier there's an easier way of doing it. But because I'm because I'm, you know, not very technical minded, I know how to do things, but they're very long winded, complicated ways. So what I do is I live play the show into the anchor software, which is, you know, it's not it takes takes time. But God, it's easy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I just it was really lay good. it in, and then it's <laughs> up, um, and people get to enjoy it, and it, it's just it's it's mind blowing that 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 it says how many people are, are watching it. Um, for example, analytics, you know, um, Sonest Stevens has overtaken D Maxwell in the most oh. plays. Lovely, yeah. The Yanks are still in the strongest lead with forty percent of listenership. Um, the United Kingdom trailing behind with 32. Um, and then it goes Canada, Australia, Ireland, Nigeria. Um, <laughs> so no one from yeah. Wales. <laughs> Wales um, are like, well, no. I can now, yeah, there you go. There's my, my computer's woken up now, so I can do it. So Wales, all right. So of the, of the UK listeners, we've got 5% in Wales and it claims we did have one in Cardiff, but now we're saying there's not enough, um, not enough data to uh, say where in Wales, but at least we know that there are, you know, there not there are, there is. <laughs> Use the right noun. <laughs> yeah. For our taffle listeners. Oh, hello. It's it's been a good week for me because I after after months of um contacting and emailing and begging um mm-hmm. i have uh, gotten on to the um gmb comedy night which oh. um there's uh, there's sort of two or three big um comedy names in london yeah. gmb is one of the big yeah. open mic scenes and it's very <laughs> exclusive well it can't be that exclusive they say because they let me in 
I don't mean to blow my own trumpet, sir, but I bloody smashed it. <laughs> oh, well, well, I knew you would. I don't even bother asking anymore because you're going to, you know, you're brilliant. You've got a lovely set. So, yeah, brilliant. Oh, Good stuff. <laughs> um, when we got asked recently for our quotes, the only quote we really got is a, a nice set by Scott Capura, which thankfully he's gay, so that you know that it's not just referring to me tits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks oh, wow. for my panel toe. <laughs> uh, you guys have such friendly faces, and we're going to take that. We're going to focus on the little. <laughs> I've been on holiday this Shoot week, so uh, not quite so little. <laughs> but I'm, I'm How was it? Where did you now. go? I went to Buxton. You didn't go see your sister? I did. Where? In Buxton. <laughs> I didn't go down. I only I had a flying visit at next door to you. Flying visit. Yeah. Take that scowl off your face, woman. Right. No, I went up to Buxton. I just went my team. <laughs> and went to visit my sister, her husband. We all went together. Best Western Hotel in Buxton. I can, I'm not being paid to say this, unfortunately. But, um, sorry, I'm getting distracted with the, with the fantastic uh, <laughs> positive You know, it's not true what they say about women. It's <laughs> so not true what they say about women. <laughs> I, I can't hear what you're saying, Group My Camel Toe. Say it again. <laughs> well, I said to my mum that you were on holiday, and she went, Oh, where's she gone? And I said, Well, her, her sister lives just up the road. And I said, she, Well, she won't have gone to see her sisters because she'd have told you she was in the area. And I said, I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> no, we went Fine. to. Um, I welcomed that. We we need a special time, just the two of us, Lucy. Um, yeah, no, I was. Uh, I haven't seen my sister since New Year, so yeah, we all as a family, apart from my mum and dad, we all went up to um, Buxton because it's like right in the middle of the UK. And I tell you what, it's so UK. beautiful there. We went up for walks around Derbyshire. Uh, we went to the highest peak in Cheshire. I took amazing photos by accident because I literally just pointed the camera. I couldn't see what I was doing. And suddenly, well, looking back, I'm like, oh, my God. It was, like, amazing. I was chuffed with that. Um, and it's just, well, you know, it's, like, relaxing, eating. Well, some of the best shots you can take. Some of the best shots you can take photography-wise are just candid. They're just... In the moment, yes. sometimes. I mean, I don't know if you, what it, what your family like, but you could spend half an hour trying to get everyone lined up correctly, doing yeah. everything, and it's like, you know, <laughs> some hand looks like, you know, someone's got a hand on the shoulder and it looks like they've got dead fingers or something. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you just take a quick snap, everyone just looks delightful. Yeah, yeah, we had some really nice ones. But also, I'm very interested in nature at the moment. You know what, I'm like with my gardening. And um, I'm reading a book called um, The Secret Life of Animals by this guy, Peter something or other. He's from middle of uh, central Europe and he runs a forest. Peter Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, 
you know, oh, animals are like this, but it's in a really nice, relaxing way. So like, and my niece is amazing with nature. So I'm like, what's this tree? Yeah, it's an oak tree set. Okay, what's this tree? It's a birch. So I, I think I can recognise like a birch and an oak tree in nature. I don't see much in the way of wildlife, but apart from the ducks in the park. But it was lovely. I really enjoyed it. And I still feel like I'm on holiday, even though I'm back home and I should be doing some work, really. <laughs> can I tell well, you yeah. one of the happy stories from the village up? Um, yeah. My village update on the Lucy show, right? So a cat... Um, a woman went into her daughter's bedroom in the morning and there was a cat asleep on the pillow next to the little girl. And that's yeah. fine, but it wasn't the cat. It snuck Ooh. in through the bedroom window. So um, they had it for a couple of days and the cat had adopted this house. It was sort of like, you know, just lying everywhere like, this is fine now. Um, and the yeah. other cats were fine with it. So they got it scanned. It's from North <laughs> Devon, like 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So it, it must have got into a delivery. It must have got into a delivery van or something. But they were reunited. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I don't know what's story. I love a good cat. Well, I was going to ask you about my cat. Well, I don't know about this cat. My parents keep saying, "Look, she's clearly eating elsewhere." But she eats loads here. But she won't just come in the house. It's really bizarre. She cries outside. But she won't just come in. I have to pick her up and bring her in. And then she'll run through the living room and she will eat a load of food. And then she goes again. And I'm just like, this is so bizarre. She used to come in loads when Bruno was alive. So I don't know what's going on with that. So if anyone's got any hints or tips so they know what's happening. Please We've got a village know. cat called Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, always, there's always a Dave. We've got a village cat called Dave. And he comes to our house and he'll have two pouches. Right. Um, and um, then he'll come in the morning have two pouches. Uh, he came when I was here um, and I gave him two pouches. Next thing I know, I see him walking down the hallway with a, with a bowl and some food. And I said, where are you going? She went, oh, Dave's here. I'm like, that's number five. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> think I come was in, cat in my um, past life because I would so do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, in case of... If it's a, they've trained you, she's trained you to carry her to her food. She needs to give you no attention. I mean, I'm surprised she doesn't give you a treat at it. But she's she's trained you where she turns up and she's like, bow, bow, yeah. and then you feed a load, and and she knows that you're pining for her, so she's like, oh, stop it, stop it. I know you love me, um, and then she's like, right, gotta go. I'm like, no, that's not the deal. You're meant to be. I just, but she's out all the time and she's out in the rain. So I'm like, she's not staying in anywhere, you know, anyone's house. I'm a bit worried about her because I'm like, she's going to get ill if she stays out in the rain all the time. But what can you do if she won't stay in the house? And she wasn't my cat originally anyway. So I, I can't think of her as my cat. When we were uh, when we were in South Wales, we had a stray cat that kept coming round, and yeah. he'd only come if you sort of put biscuits down. So as kids, we called him Biscuit, um, and, and he looked like a bare knuckle fighter, but like in cat form, you know, sort of like yeah, all right, I'm one of these cats, and they were like, oh, Biscuit's here. <laughs> he probably like, you know, <laughs> my name is Mac. Don't call me that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we built him a little house, a little shelter, a little tiny house, and he'd sleep in that. 
Oh my god. Maybe oh, you need to make him a little house. Yeah, maybe I need to make her a little house in the garden. I have to say as well, um, I don't know if anyone watching, can you let us know? Me, it might be my computer, but you're um, all over the, you're like stopping and starting the pictures and it's not, it's, um, I don't know if anyone. I'm going to experiment. I'm going, I, 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 I love I spending money on IT. Yeah. Um, and then I like that IT to fail me because it makes me feel like I've really used my limited amount of money on really <laughs> great tech. I'm yeah. going to take out my ISDL yeah. line and just use right. the Wi Fi. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So, Ray said Lucy keeps having minor freezes. So that's how... <laughs> yeah, completely gone now. Completely. Oh, little freezes, like ice cubes. Well, to me, they're big freezers, but oh, I don't know. Maybe it's my um, computer. Like, you're completely frozen to me on the stage, on the stage, on here now. And yeah, from what I'm I can see on Twitch as well. Am <sighs> annoying? Never mind. It can hear you though, Lucy. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. Oh, you can fault. hear me. I can. I can I, hear I, you. I'm. I'm, I'm... Um, I just can't see you. Your, your I just, I just like it when you know. Lovely well, I mean, they, they, they say, um, they say, what is it? Yeah. The opposite. Oh, that's right. The, the, um, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing, do different things, and expect or, uh, the same thing and expect different results. With technology, yeah. I expect to do the same thing and get the same results because it's ones and zeros. There's, <laughs> yeah. come on, there should be an off day. Is that any? Am I any better? Oh. Am I still frozen? You're still frozen. As as Raya said, you're a total Elsa now. Oh, oh let it go. Ooh. Let it go. Let oh, well, go. if you can still hear me, at least our listeners on Spotify are going to have fun. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And your face oh. isn't frozen in a terrible. It doesn't look awful. <laughs> That lady, yeah, which is always a deal as relaxed. Bloody technology! <laughs> it's a pile of pants. Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe try switching it off and on. And it's again. the first time. Yeah. I can't. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Ooh. You know. Maybe try coming in through your phone. Maybe. Oh no, it has to. Go through Chrome. I don't know if you're talking, but I can't hear you either. <laughs> oh, well, well, while Lucy's sorting herself out, um, the other thing I did this week, because I was missing the cat, uh, I actually signed up to Match.com. And I think I was being a bit um, in, um, what's it? decided yesterday, I think I was hungry and I should have gone and had some food and had to think about it and in, instead I just went you know what, I am just going to um, do a six month subscription because it's £20 a month if you do it for six months and I think it's something like stupid, like £60 if you only have it for one month but um, yeah, so I've been chatting to complete strangers on Match.com so if anybody has any advice on how to do that, that would be amazing. It's so weird as well doing this without Lucy because we, you know, it's it's quite, it's really nice having someone to chat to. Now all I can see is my stupid face. So are we even, 
live and what yes we are okay so let's hope lucy comes back is that lucy yes it's lucy yay oh, i felt like i was flying away so on my fun. own man it's horrible um, i have no uh, just desire as a, to do this on my own <laughs> as a science question did you still stay streaming whilst i buggered off yes right it's because i'm because i've got the driving dashboard here i thought when i buggered off that it was all gonna go with me not that it's like delusions of grandeur like i'm in charge of it all but technically i speak <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, no it carried on it, it just had it had me in my uh massive face so that was odd yeah uh, and I don't, oh, so done, did you go up penny van no i haven't um but i have i have seen a couple of penavan pictures on match.com oh yes now is match.com the one you have to pay for yes and i was just saying i was hungry yesterday when i was on it and i should have come away and had a cup of tea but instead i thought oh bugger it let's just uh, i might as well so i've got a six month subscription i have chatted to a few people already and it's only been 24 hours I tell you what, once you're on there, people are in and they're like, I want to talk to you. And you're like, ah, okay. It's a bit scary, but I have chatted to a couple of people. I'm going for coffee with someone next week. But he's looking for a phrase. But I, I'm convinced that there are secret phrases that I'm not aware of. And this is why I've always gone wrong with like the inside. I overthink it. And I'm just being myself and I don't get when people are knobheads or whatever. I'm like, I don't, what happened there then? I don't get it. You know, when people are chatting to you for ages and then they disappear or they don't want to meet up with you and all this stuff. But so, so far, so good, but we'll see. So if anybody has got any right. hints and tips. I know for a fact that, I know for, the, I know, I know for, oh, I've got the birthday boy. Yeah, I gave him a big I'm shout out in yesterday's birthday section. On the Yay. Lucy show, um, did and get you a raid, but they were off put by the word politics in the description. Have we got the word politics in our description, sir? Yeah, because when we did the description, I think we had just talked politics for like quite an episode. But I can change it. We do talk politics. We can. We 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 well. We want to raid someone who's scared of the word politics. <laughs> Will they be less scared with that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're not going to talk politics, but the feminists are here. <laughs> 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 but thank you, Jamie. That's really kind of you. I haven't got a clue how to get a raid even. Oh, well, Jamie's our official Twitch um, liaison. Um, <laughs> Oh, we're beautiful, by the way. We've been um, positively trolled, so just let you know. Exactly. Well, they're not trolled, are they? They're, they're fairies. <laughs> That's because we're beautiful. That's because we're beautiful. <laughs> um, what, I wanted, what I wanted to add as well, I've been tweaking yeah. some of my set, and later I'm going to make you watch my set, because Yay. I think the first three minutes of my five-minute set could work for my competition entry. Yay! Yeah, you sound an image of that we have got a ray, so that's the best we're going to do tonight. Yeah, I'm sorry. I um, I'm I'm quite confused and annoyed by. It. To be fair, a bit of an ask. We would have been coming from Super Mario. 
Right. So with with raids, your Twitch channel goes to your viewers go to their channel or their channel comes to you. And I went onto a Twitch Facebook group and I was like, hey, you know, does anybody want to do a raid? Does anyone talk about um, comedy and nonsense? <laughs> and they were like, no. Uh, you know, they're like, Grand Theft Auto, Dungeons and Dragons, Call of Duty. And I'm like, uh, the worm turned. Jeffries. Is anyone getting um, the Mary Tyler? (laughs) (laughs) We are going to talk about Mike Babiglia later, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Did you watch it? You you say his name? It's Mike Babiglia. There we go, that's bad. I tried telling people on the Lucy show what I was reviewing and it wasn't until Ray copied and pasted his name into the chat. I could I was like Mike Bubble Mike Bum Mike Bubble Big 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 Tech It is a it makes me happy about my showbiz name, which is my name, Sarah Bridgman. It's not very showbiz, but likes Mike Bubiglia. But we're we're gonna be reviewing that later. And um, did anybody watch it? Are you going to be chatting with us later on, every everyone in the chat? Yes, please. Um, um, right. Um, so it is one minute two, which means that we are going to be um, bringing on um, the fabulous, the dangerous, the hilarious Stefan Allen. So Yay. I know. The way technology is going right now, this will kick him out of the fucking studio. <laughs> Yay! Oh, am I in? Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, Steph. Hello. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you too. This is the first time I've laid eyes on you since the beginning of lockdown. It is. It is. When did we last see each other? I think it was March. It was probably, oh, God, yeah, that's a good question. But maybe earlier. We don't necessarily catch each other all that often. It's only when we get a a weekend free at the same time. Yes. Steph and I will often go to the Glee. We go to the Glee Club together to watch the acts and do a bit of a chat. Amy Nemeth has said, hey, Stefan, you, Steph, I don't know if you can see us. I can. I can see you. Jamie Nemeth is saying hi. Uh, I oh, oh, hello, I can see Jamie Nesmith, Nemeth saying hi. Sorry, I got your name wrong as well, which is offensive because I... Hi, right, Stefan, I'll introduce myself. I was frantically trying to do hand signals for Sarah to go, hi, this is Stefan. I was like... I have been conditioned by years of seeing television with sign language interpreters to just ignore <laughs> hand signals. <laughs> And you're out of sync as well, to be fair to me. <laughs> Steph, meet sorry. Lucy. Lucy, meet Steph. <laughs> nice to meet you, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, I was, I was looking you up on the internet, um, and I really chuckled with the glee. Um, sort of introduction for you is like he does he does comedy and he does entertainment and he does TV and he does radio and he does it in Welsh so you probably never heard of him I was like all right mate that's a bit <laughs> well, yeah, so I, so I <laughs> funny story behind that I got in trouble for that I wrote that myself because <laughs> like 
you know, it's a very DIY job when you're a when you you know if you're a comedian, you know I'm, I'm you know bigger comedians have agents to do these things for them, but I'm quite happy to do my own paperwork. So I sort of just wrote my own thing. You write it in the third person, obviously, because it's a blurb about you. And actually, I never got any flack off it from the Glee or from anyone who saw that website. But I did a gig, a more local gig in Cardiff in a place called Tramshed, brilliant venue. And um, they wanted a blurb off me. So I just told them, just look me up on the Glee website, use that blurb, I'm sure it's fine. Um, except... Because a lot of Welsh speakers attend that show, they read the blurb and thought that Tramshed itself was being dismissive of the Welsh language, which obviously it was like, I'm a Welsh speaker. That's my first language. I was, I'm allowed to make that joke at my own expense. But a lot of people got quite, uh, quite offended oh by it. <laughs> Need a blurb. You, know what, you, had to make, you had to do a, a press release. Don't bomb them. It was me. Twas I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I woke up to messages from the promoter going, "Don't worry, Steph. I know you didn't mean it in a bad way, but she didn't explain what was happening. So I just had these quite scary texts going, Steph. I know a lot of people are having a go at you right now, but don't worry. I've got your back. <laughs> oh my God, what's gone wrong? <laughs> oh my word. Oh." It's well, how quite clever, though, because it might have got you a bit more press than otherwise. Well, maybe, maybe. Who knows? It was a well-attended gig, actually. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that was good marketing. <laughs> we'll have to try something. We'll have to come up with some sort of argument, Lucy, or something. We'll get a bit more. I hate, I hate the marketing side of it. I can't. That's the thing. What God. people don't know about comedians, when you're starting out... Like you say, until you get an agent, which, you know, if you're a woman in comedy and you're over 40, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, it's, just... it's, it's yeah, it, absolutely. You're, you're, you know, the, uh, it's something I quite like about it, actually, is that, is that with stand-up, you do, almost everyone has to start at the bottom. You don't get to go to an equivalent of drama school and learn all the skills and be handed a career. You have to kind of start at the bottom and wake up, work, work your way up, which I think is quite good actually because it means most comedians learn professionalism they learn to do a little bit of pr most comedians will do a little bit of promoting they'll put on some gigs just to try stuff out i think it's it makes you a more well-rounded artist i think yeah yeah i think with everything now i mean no matter what you do there's an element of marketing with social media it's just it is hard. some people yeah. they just get over it really easily I, I just find it, and, and it's, all, it's like, it's just horrible. But all of it's PR. You look at politics now. Poli politics is more about PR than it is about about anything else. You know, the, the like, you know, when the when the when all the stuff happened with Dominic Cummings go, driving to that castle, so, like you could just tell all of it was managing the appearance of it. It was it was like you were seeing elected members of parliament behaving like they were sort of amateur marketers it's, it's it's a really bizarre thing and i think it's the internet it, it, everything is so fast now and you can kind of get the word out so quickly you've constantly got to be managing your own appearance and i don't know i i don't like it i think it's gone i don't like that side of it yeah but you know it's part of the job it's part of pretty much any job yeah yeah even just like uh in my day job i'm a tutor and I realised during lockdown, I'm like, shit, I haven't got, I haven't got a Facebook page, I haven't got, you know. Whereas one of the people that one of my 
people that pay me uh, that give me work she's all she was all over facebook and promoting it and everything i'm like oh jesus i need to do that for my my business as well which mm-hmm. i know daft but oh i hate i hate it i love marketing i'm very interested in adverts and stuff especially like the old adverts and um and how people put themselves across i find that fascinating but uh, especially from a psychological point of view but from a you got to do it for yourself part of it i'm always being told say hey, you've got to <laughs> tell people that you're on stuff i'm like oh i know it's not as bad now but that's why i'm brilliant lucy's brilliant at it she's just so you know all over the all over facebook and all over twitter and the fact that you know lucy doesn't mind me saying that she's fairly new she's only been going a few months but already like got a solid at least five to ten i haven't seen your full ten yet but pretty solid and out there straight away and telling everyone about and going you should put me on your show and all the rest of it i still can't do that now but that's definitely more successful um and that's you know really good and stuff okay. i know i've got a question i'm just waffling on um, well I, th- I think no one I'm... no one starts doing comedy from nothing i think you know mm. like it's it's sort of you know you don't start first day on the job and have to be shown around you'll 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 def, you'll already have skills that you're bringing in from different walks of life and I think it's a good strategy to use whatever skills you have if you're someone who's naturally funny great cool right. there we go you've got a head start maybe on the performance on the material if you're you're from a job I mean I, I had an office job before stand up which is a brilliant thing to do because it teaches you the discipline of sitting down and doing your admin it teaches you how to write a good email and how to talk to people you've never met before um, so I think that was really helpful it meant that I could do my own accounts and finances I could find my own gigs like I don't need an agent because I can do all that stuff well that's all stuff I learned in a day job um, if you're if you've got any kind of background in PR or marketing, if that's a skill you have, that's an amazing thing to to bring on board. What you're doing is learning all the things you haven't learned yet because you've got to learn all the other little bits and pieces. So yeah, it's but I, but I but I quite like that. I like that it's there isn't a sort of single straightforward journey with stand up. You you're, it's kind of slapdash and you kind of learn little bits and pieces here and there. And you I don't know. I think especially when you're new, you just enjoy it, don't you? It's just exciting. Oh yeah, like the energy on Lucy and, and lots of other people. I'm like, oh my god, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> you should know we're talking about you as if you're not here. We know you're here, Lucy. But honestly, it's just like oh, I feel like an old, like old knackered person. But I remember, like, oh God, the first time I went up to Edinburgh just to watch. I was awake literally for 48 hours because I was so excited. Um, you know, it's it, it's really exciting. But uh, yeah, once you've been in it, oh, well, I'm still excited. I, I still love comedy, but I need time away to kind of miss it now. But um, yeah, and you were self-employed as well, didn't you, Steph? With uh, before you became a comedian. Oh what? No, not before. I. Oh right, I went freelance this, the year that I started doing stand up, but you know about uh-huh. six months in. So I was doing stand up about six months at open mic amateur level. Yeah. Um, and then and then I I went freelance in my day job. Um, so that was quite nice. It meant that I suddenly had a lot more free time because I you know you can. You can organise yeah. your time a little bit more. So I was, you know, doing my day job work on the train on the way to, you know, Cardiff or whatever to do an open mic. Um, so yeah, so 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 I did kind of work 
so so it's tricky you know you, you're having to learn all that all the discipline of sitting down but really what you want to do is get excited about stand-up so it was a sort of slightly strange <laughs> time but quite a, a rewarding one I think yeah the reason why I asked that is because the people that I see that are self-employed not obviously not everyone but they really they're really on it with like look, asking for gigs and realizing that you've got to get yourself out there you have to ask for gigs people aren't going to just come to you uh, will you yeah. be on my, you know, they will if they know you and, you know, it's like a door split or something, you know, they've had yeah. you before. But, well, that's um, it, your, any other job, you know, so I was a translator before and actually because of lockdown being, a, you know, meaning there are no gigs, I've gone back to, like, I'm still doing some writing and sketch and performance and stuff, but um but I, but i'm do i've picked up some translation work i've gone back to that i always oh, kept my great. qualifications alive because mm-hmm. well thank goodness i mean actually i kept my qualifications alive you know i, I even sat I, I sat an exam last year uh you know to improve my standing as a translator even though i wasn't really doing very much translation at all um just in case just because you hear stories of comedians getting ill or getting injured. I remember Bethany Black broke her leg and she wasn't able to work for six months. And that's terrifying, the idea that you can't earn any money. So I kept those things alive and thank goodness, because then this pandemic happened and I I didn't have to, you know, I could could just go back. But actually, I'm now having the struggle with with translation that I used to have with stand-up, which is... um, I haven't got anyone on my books. I haven't got clients who pay me to do it. So I'm gonna. I'm having to go knocking on doors, metaphorically speaking, going, yeah. "Have you got any work for me?" Because yeah, like, I, I I think there's a grip. There's an idea that as a stand-up, you do that one gig that makes you, and suddenly people will ask you. And people do ask me to do gigs, but not enough to pay my bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You you need to, you know realistically. Well, before you know, in in a normal year, I would do 150 gigs a year. So that's you know. I'm not getting 150 offers a year, you know, sitting around doing nothing. Like, you, yeah, you have to push for it. And you have to let people know that you're there. It's marketing. It comes back to what you were saying about PR. Um, I know I'm good. I've got a CV that proves that I am re- I can perform to a certain standard. Like, I've got a bunch of big comedy clubs that book me regularly. But, if you know, people don't know that. People aren't obsessively following listings of comedy clubs to see if my name's on it. So I have to let them know. So I email people and go, look, these are the gigs I've done. Can I come and do one of your gigs? Yeah. I think that's yeah. a lot of what the job is. Yeah. Yeah. It's before like before... I... Oh, I was going to say, I used to be a festival and event worker for eight to ten years, and that's self-employed. And there's no job listings. There, There is nothing. If you want to get a job on a crew at a festival... And, it, and there's a finite number of positions on that site. And they all went to school with each other. Or they're so-and-so's daughter, so-and-so's girlfriend. Um, they knew each other from that other festival. And it is clickiest, without a doubt, more than com- comedy. With Comedy pales in, com- in, in, in the shadow of how wow. clicky festivals and events wow. are. And you have to keep in your back pocket your business card. We have business cards. Mm-hmm. Um, with your name, email, and maybe just maybe like cause I did telling on the driving, I could do production. So I just I just put festival and events. There was too many jobs that I I had to break it down to, and it is exhausting. You're standing there talking to somebody, and they say oh, I work for I don't know Fest Fest or you know Fest something like that, and you've just got to go. Pew. Well, if you've got um, any possibilities, any vacancies, and every conversation with 
anybody, if you can smell even the slightest opportunity of working for a crew, and if you're the last in, you're the first out whenever they make cuts and stuff. And in the end, I, I went I went into truck driving because I was exhausted. Of, and I used to call it self-whoring because you just, you can't have a nice conversation with anyone anymore. You can't be like, oh, you know, we've had a nice day, you enjoy yourself. And they go, oh, yeah, it's not as bad as my festival. What? What? You've got a festival? Oh, here's my details. Whereas at least with comedy, I don't have to just tell you I'm good at doing production or good at doing um, telehandling driving. I can give you a link to my, my video clip or other comedians will vouch for me or they'll see me on the bill. And even though there aren't, say, job listings, we know the forums where we can where there are you know a spot going in leicester 10 spot you know must have must have own car or you know sarah will put me forward for a gig or i'll put sarah forward for a gig and there is a bit more camaraderie whereas with festivals because it is literally a finite group of numbers it's cutthroat and people will undercut you they'll find out what you're charging and email them the next week and charge 50 quid less it's ridiculous so this is interesting so this this resonates a lot i've got a few i've got a couple of theories because i think about i think most of what you say is true but i think there's a there's there's one thing which i think is really notable about standard which is that that type of networking people are very snobbish about it and maybe and maybe you're right maybe maybe in festivals it goes too far the other way and people are too pushy but in stand-up there's almost this kind of uh this suspicion of anyone who puts themselves forward in that way which can be a good thing because it means you don't get that kind of cutthroat side of it but actually do you know what you, those people do exist there there are people keeping an eye on your gigs and trying to undercut you that happens it's just it's just a lot less blatant and it's a lot harder to do but also i think those spaces are less finite they become more finite the, the higher you climb the ladder um I I, th- I think like you know I mean I've I've been at several levels of stand up as I've sort of come through and I think for me the one I found hardest was um, doing paid middles weirdly um, with, you know it it sounds like that one should be the least you know not that competitive you know thirty quid to do for fifteen minutes in the middle but what you find is literally every open spot in the country wants that role because that's their first yeah. step into paid work and that so yeah. I found that more competitive than doing paid opening gigs opening 20s for 100 quid you know gigs three times that the paid three times as much there was kind of less competition there was a lot of competition but there was less competition than for yeah. you know just 20 30 quid in the middle that that was the stuff that was really quite that was where i found that a couple of people could get quite nasty um people were very very hungry for those opportunities and could be a bit um, i always found festival uh, work was like a combination of wayne's world 2 and show dance uh, yeah. <laughs> where the woman pushes her down a staircase. <laughs> show girls, that's it. Show girls. <laughs> I was trying to think there. <laughs> Are you right, Steph? I've been reading your comments, by the way, and really oh, enjoying right. I think I want to oh. address this one, which is that the massive increase in networking opportunities online offers a huge boon and it's not going away and should be used to the max, which I think is true. I think there's a huge element of that. I think being able to cultivate a CV and a clip and a, and um, and whatever online can be really helpful. But I honestly think the other thing is, like, you can't underestimate the value of people seeing you face to face, having a chat with you, having a drink with you, because they remember it better. They remember you a lot better if you just like that's why professionalism is so important. Like, I think being 
having mediocre talent but being incredibly professional is much more important. It's that you would book that person first rather than someone incredibly talented who's not very pleasant off stage. Mm. You share what you remember the exact is the social interaction. RuPaul and Michelle Visage talk about this on What's the Tea all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but quite definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, but the thing that I have struggled with in the past is, um, you know, there's these myths in stand-up as well. And you've got the gatekeepers who will be very oh. much stick by these myths, like, oh, there's no jobs. In, I was I was told by someone, oh, there's no jobs in, in stand-up. All the jobs are taken, so don't bother. <laughs> I was told that. That's um, a weird Okay. So so weird. Yeah. This is like five years ago, and I went. I basically, I, if you're well aware of this story, because I was like fuming about it. But um, I paid forty quid for one of these workshops, and uh, mm. where you go and you do this workshop is you actually do five minutes of your best material in front of a booker, and this guy that puts on these workshops and charges forty quid per person. Pilot high, sell it cheap, and. Um, he uh, he basically this woman um, at the time said yeah it was all right quite quite enjoyed it and he went to town on me basically going you got to have another nine years ahead of you don't but he just I don't know why but he I think it's because I I was overtired because I'd had a gig in Blackpool the night before I was a bit chatty and a, 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 a um, mutual friend said oh it's because you talked back to him and he didn't like it. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. You know, you get this man, yeah, pricks. You know, you get this man who don't like being in front of people, being, I mean, he's hungover because he was at a wedding the day before. He was wearing a dirty shirt, not very professional. Uh, and, and he basically, on stage in front of everyone, said, there's no jobs in comedy anyway, don't bother. So you can imagine the whole room were like, what, why are you charging us 40 quid? Per person, yeah. don't think there's any jobs in comedy. Most of us are here to get ahead in comedy, yeah. you knob. You know, and it's not true. Since then, <laughs> Kerry McLean has gone up and gone through. Ted Lillias mm. gone up, gone through. You know, there have been so many people that have like gone stratospheric and got like Laura, Le uh, Laura Lex. You know, and lots of people now that have been on TV since then and that's not that wasn't even my aim my aim has always been I've always wanted to be a good comedian and to get you know a, a professional you know and a professional uh gig you know gigs which I do do now and then but like you know to be a pro comedian that's all I don't care about telly I don't care about fame or any of that I want to be good at the job and to get booked and paid for it that, that was yeah. always my plan well, I, I think, I think it's you know either. The the nature of stand up comedy and the and the professionalism of it and the structures of it are mm -hmm. have changed drastically. From you know, it's still quite a young like the type of stand up we do, the kind of writer performer uh, kind of uh, sort of artisans that side of joke telling where you write your own stuff and there's kind of rules about this format of it. Um, that's quite a young industry, you know. That starts in 1980. Really, which is oh. like that's a you know that that 
so 30 that's 40, years ago. 40 years 40 years and for most for most of the 80s it's a kind of underdog sport it kind of it comes second to the kind of slick variety shows where people do kind of mother-in-law jokes and whatever and uh and, and magic and singing you know that kind of more traditional type of comedy like so for the first 10 years the people who do stand-up there's not that many stand-ups in the country and it's very messy it's kind of mostly happening in pubs there's a couple of dedicated and mostly london clubs. yeah because when i when I, I wanted to start doing comedy when i was 18 19 but i you know in swansea and wales there were very few comedy nights and i thought i've got to move to london which mm. i couldn't do i did try but it didn't work out and i came home and yeah. um, i thought oh well I, I just thought it's not for me i wish i'd had the guts i've got to admit and also i always thought well, we're gonna live a life a bit before you've got something to talk about but oh, um, be surprised <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I th- yeah yeah i, th- I think yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think about that sometimes, but I also think there's not much point. I mean, I do wonder if I'd started sooner or if I'd been a bit older. Um, because, you know, even in the 90s, there were 150 comedians in the 90s, basically. There was 100 in London and then, you know, the others were sort of scattered across the UK. They all knew each other. There was 150. There, was, there were more than 150 kids in my school year in school. And that's how many comedians there were. They were all professional. There were no spots that didn't really yeah. exist you were either a comedian who did gigs or you worked you know there, there wasn't because there wasn't that sort of ladder and that changes 2004 2005 because live at the apollo and mock the week start and that creates a bit of a a bit of a ladder people can suddenly yeah. see oh okay so we start there and you climb 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 but you know before that you're either not a comedian or a circuit comedian or your eddie Izzard, or or, what, mm-hmm. or an equivalent famous person those are the three options suddenly no, you can be an open micer, you can be a semi-pro, you can be a like a low-paid professional, you can be a top-end headliner, you can be a, a, you know, a corporate act, you can be like, you know, because suddenly our acts were getting booked to do corporates, which wasn't really happening in the 80s as far as I know, but suddenly yeah. it became in vogue. Yeah. That's people like, um, you know, you think of people like uh, Dara O'Brien and, and Jim mm. Carr and people, just people who make making our scene look like the mainstream all of a sudden. So, mm. I th- and I, so I think what's happened now is that's just, it's exp- as soon as you create an industry that goes, this is where it is and look, there's a future for you, it attracts more people to it and suddenly there's too many people doing it. Happened with uh, plumbing. It was happening with plumbing now. It, it happened with lawyers when I was growing up. When I was growing up, there were loads of adverts on TV saying, have you been injured at work? Phone us because too many people had become lawyers and so suddenly they had to advertise directly to you because maybe 10, 20 years before that, everyone knew that lawyers, oh, that's easy money. Like there's not enough lawyers. Now it's, it's plumbers because we've been told there's not enough plumbers. Suddenly everyone's going into plumbing. Same thing's happening with standup. It used, you know, it used to be, oh yeah, you can just, you don't even, you won't work a day in your life. You can get up late. You just drive to a place, talk for 20 minutes, money for old rope, except it's not anymore because there used to be 150 comedians and now there's about 8,000 and they're on every conceivable level, which means some people are still able to make a living, but not the same kind of living they would have done in the days yeah. even when jonglers was around you know you could make 50 grand a year doing just normal wow. circuit gigs you probably can't do that anymore unless you're doing corporates unless you're doing media work as well so you know but but as far as i'm concerned like that's okay because 
there are loads of crafts where you never you you don't necessarily make a living off it. If you know when you start writing poetry, anyone who's ever written poetry, no one's writing their first poem going, "I'm going to be a famous, wealthy, full-time <laughs> professional poet, making all my money from the beautiful poems I write." There are full-time <laughs> poets, but most of their money comes from all the stuff around it, doing classes or courses or um, giving talks. You know, it's not it's not just selling these volumes of, of poetry i mean you know i'm sure there is i'm sure michael rosen makes a huge amount of money off that but you know like it's you you find these other avenues and i think that's what's going to happen with stand-up where most stand-up comedians don't just make their money off the live circuit anymore they they write for stuff they write for mock the week or for the news quiz uh, or for have i got news for you they write for other comedians big touring comedians who can't afford to generate as much material anymore it's kind of an open secret that they'll have their sets written by kind of less well-known stand-ups and uh and, and now you know we've got like online streams and stuff you know we've got like the bbc does lots of online stuff that's another way into it so you just find all these like little ways into it and you decide where your heart is I, so when i started i didn't necessarily dream of making it a living i have been able to make it my living but who knows you know this year has changed the circuit maybe most of the circuit doesn't come back i don't you know maybe i just have to make some of my money from translation from now on and i think that's okay so <laughs> what do you think nah. of the online um, gigging steph have you done any online gigging i did one online gig yeah for a for a festival i found it um I, fa I mean, no judgment on anyone who does that. I, I think it's not really stand up, is it? Because you're not, because you're not getting the, the feedback of an like. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's nothing. Not, I'm not. I'm losing I'm, like, you, Steph. We're losing you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I, I think it's streaming. It's a different type of comedy. It's a different genre. For me, stand up comedy Ooh. is is when you've got a. a it's, Part, part of what makes it stand up rather than any other genre is the way you in, you manipulate an audience and influence an audience that you're you're not just telling jokes you're conducting the mood a little bit you're noticing if oh that part of the room's flagging I'll make eye contact with them and bring them in a bit more or yeah. oh, they went to, that joke went down badly I'll pick another joke or I'll address it or you know like all those kinds of little tiny decisions you make to to build a better atmosphere. You can't do that online because you have no idea who's watching. You're hoping that you're coming across well, but uh, you have no way of knowing. So it's more like a monologue. It's more like a, a comedic monologue. So um, when I did mine, it was, I felt more like I was delivering a, like an Alan Bennett piece of writing than my own material. You know, I wasn't pausing for laughs because what's the point, you know? I was delivering it as if I was acting a role rather than telling jokes because I think that's the only way of, doing it so i think there's a value in it for sure like i mean i've I, and i have seen other people's comedy online um but it's it's a it's a it's a different genre that's that's what i think about that yeah yeah that's interesting maybe it would be in a different genre because it, it depends on the room i think it's a new way of performing comedy and i think it's a different skill to like in the room like, i think if you've got like mediums that have got weak jokes or um, or rely very much on chatting to an audience. I'm not saying this is you, Steph, by the way. Yeah. Because uh, you're solid, lots of jokes, and, uh, you know, very little chatting to the audience. But people, acts that do rely on that struggle massively because, of course, you can't just chat to the audience. Some of the rooms you can a bit, you know, and I've definitely seen, um, you know, the joke in the Rafaz with Scott Capiro, 
That's the first time. He, he. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Um, what's his name? It wasn't Scott Capuro. What's his name? Rod Gilbert's oh. buddy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we will Can't find out his name and drop it in. <laughs> Get the YouTube up because he's still on there. Um, Campanari or something? Barry. Barry. Barry, Barry Casagola. We got there in the end. He he was the first one that I saw. He did they, he did work the room and he and it worked really well. And that's still up on the Rafa's YouTube as well worth looking at. But like for weeks I was like, oh, I'm just gonna say my comedy. And some rooms it would work really well, and some rooms definitely not. And it and it just depends because a lot, especially with the open mics, the only audience for a lot of them are the other comedians and it just depends like some in some rooms they're chatting to each other because they're catching up or you know they're working on their material the same as in in any open mic uh, place really but it's, a, it's but, a, you're broadcasting i think that you know that's yeah. what it is it's got more in common with radio than with than with live comedy because you're you're, you're, because you're just throwing it out into the open. And, and even if you get feedback, you might get comments, which help you know if people are engaged. But you, you never really know because you you have no idea how many people are watching, the people who are yeah. watching, how many of them are commenting. It's going to be a small number. Maybe they're more yeah. likely to comment if they are if they feel very positive or very negative. You know, yeah. you, you, so you have no idea who's just in the middle. You know, are people a bit bored? Are people kind of engaged but not enough engaged to comment? Who knows? You know. Um, and I and like and I think the big difference is like um, I went to see the film Knives Out three times in the cinema because it is brilliant. Did um, you? Yeah, I loved Knives Out. And the first time I saw it, um, <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was the funniest film in the world. But then the second time I saw it, the audience was even more into it. They were proper. They were gasping at the twists and stuff. And that was such a great thing to be part of. And I enjoyed it more, even though I'd already seen it, because there was kind of this atmosphere in the room but then the third time i saw it i went to see it with my mother and my stepfather and um and it was a much quieter audience they just weren't as vocal they weren't laughing out loud at the jokes and things so my mother and stepfather enjoyed it but when they left they said oh we thought it was a funny film but it wasn't that funny and i said no it is you just you need the audience to laugh with it to kind of get how funny it like it's so weird how contagious funny is but because it's a film it can't change what it was doing it was exactly the same film three times in a row, exactly the same footage. The difference when you're a live performer, and especially in stand-up, more so than in acting, because if you're in a funny play, you can tweak it a little bit. But with a stand-up, you're allowed to break the fourth wall. You're allowed to kind of yeah. go, you didn't really go for that joke. Okay, I'm going to tell this joke. You can kind of let them into the process a little bit, and that makes yeah. it even easier to kind of bring people along with you and to and to make them feel part of the team. Like, we're collaborating, we're trying to have a nice time together. And that's, you know, a film can never do that. And that's why, even when you're live, uh, you know, a process like this, or, or if you're streaming uh, stand-up, you, it's it's more similar to Knives Out than it is to live stand-ups, because, because, you, because you, you don't see the feedback, you know, and who knows what you're competing with? Who knows how people, maybe we are currently being watched by people who are doing the dishes at the same time. So they actually can't turn it off. They can't comment. They also can't click dislike on it. So you have no idea. Maybe yeah. maybe it's being watched by someone watching it on a phone and they're also trying to keep the kids quiet. You know, that it's because we are 
broadcasting into people's homes. Whereas mm. when you're in a live think, room, you can see where it's here they're stay. all sitting around, it's they're definitely. all dressed up nicely. You can kind of, and it is a distraction. All of you are distracted at once. If a siren goes off outside, you know, if a, a, a police car drives past, all of you can hear that police car. So you as the performer can address it. Whereas we have no idea, the current viewers that we have now, we have no idea what's distracting them if they're being distracted by, uh, oh, it's, it's you know, maybe, maybe it's pouring with rain where they are and that's something that's kind of in the back of their minds and you can't address it because we're not really in the same shared space. So that for me is the difference between a broadcast and stand-up, I think. Mm. But if, you, if, if you look at there's, I mean, if you look at like Barbara Nice when she does a pig in lock-in, she does a very similar format to Stuart Goldsmith's Infinite Sofa, where you like he'll all of a sudden say, "Right, everyone, you've got ten seconds to find the biggest yellow item, or you know, come back. Who's got the first piece of fruit?" I mean, I remember the first I was on the first ever Infinite Sofa with them, and I'm running through the house. My parents are looking at me, and I'm going, "I need some fruit," and I'm running as part of the whole show. <laughs> um, and You've got Jason Mansford doing the Tuesday stand-up. You've got Scott Bennett continually keep going. And 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 there's, I think it's here to stay. Um, very good at doing her emceeing with the COVID arms. That is a, 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 a wondrous thing to see. But I do, I do genuinely think it's here to stay. But I did notice when it first came along that the first people to turn their nose up at online comedy were those that couldn't do it. Um, and they were the loudest naysayers of it. Um, but slowly but surely, as there's no lo- there's no lifting of lockdown and as there's no cure, people are coming around to it and, and people do still want to laugh. That's the one thing, that's the one constant we can be certain on, that punters want to laugh. Um, and... And I have to say, you know, when smoking had to be banned, people stopped going out as much. Now people can have a fag in their house whilst they watch. Clean mm-hmm. toilets, cheap booze. There are there. If it's done well, I, I mean, I've, I have enjoyed some online stand-up, and I have hurt from laughing. Mm. But it is few and far between. It has well, to. Every star in alignment has to meet. I think, I think, I mean, so, I mean, Jamie's comment, I think, is very true, right? Uh, so Jamie says that watching on a tablet in bed, you can just get a wry smile, even if you find it completely hilarious, because you laugh more in social situations. And I and I think that's true. But I also think it hits something even more important here, which is that I don't think people do go and see stand up just because they want to laugh. I think they want the social element of it. If they wanted a laugh, they'd watch a sitcom. I honestly think that. I think they're doing it because it's how many, most people who go to watch comedy, obviously there are some diehard comedy fans who love it so much they will go alone to watch comedy, but that's quite rare. Most people who go and watch comedy are either on a date or they're with a group of friends or it's a work do or it's a family thing. Most people go in groups, usually it's a social thing. It's, it's, it's that I think that people crave. And I think um, what I found personally in lockdown is, although I watched a couple of solo comedy things, most of the stuff I've watched uh, in my own media consumption and in terms of streams and stuff is, it's stuff like this. It's people talking to each other because that's what I miss. I miss that feeling of people hanging out a little bit because we can't go to the pubs. Um, yeah. I, th- I think you want to hear people talking. I think we like we're humans, right? We're built to like groups, yeah. and we feel safe in groups. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Look, I, I'm very much listening to a lot of podcasts and where people are 
chatting to each other. And I'm really glad that we put this out as a podcast for the same reason, to be honest with you. I know that, you know, there are friends of mine that have said, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to the live show, but I definitely Definitely. listen to the podcast later, you know. Um, I mean, the difference as well with Zoom Zoom gigs versus streamed gigs, you there is there is a there's a it's it's not the full feeling, but there's a definite feeling of you're all in the same room with a Zoom gig because you can also watch it on gallery and you can see other people's faces and just in the same way that in a comedy gig, some prick leaves their phone on, there's somebody that doesn't yeah. mute themselves. The kids are barking, you know, kids are barking. That's how, that's how much I know about <laughs> fucking parents, isn't it? Kids are barking, but let them out. <laughs> but there is, a, there, in the Zoom room, there is a fucking great feeling you can get off it. And I suppose, you know, live gigs are coming back slowly but surely. And it obviously, and they've just recently cancelled a load, haven't they? They said they could, and then they couldn't. Then they could, then they couldn't. Then you could do it outside, then you couldn't. <laughs> I think people are like, fuck it, I'll get the Zoom ticket. At least I know I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the, it's it's sort of funny, like, because it's, and, and, you know, most of it comes down to the fact that the UK has been shamefully terrible at, uh, at managing a response to this crisis. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's monstrous. But, um, you know, on, on a personal note, because I'm in a high-risk group, I can't gig until there's a vaccine. So uh, no there's, a, there's a part of me just enjoying the schadenfreude. Like, well, I'm not enjoying it. Obviously, friends of mine are being affected by cancelled gigs and stuff. But it's, but see, but you know, I'm just seeing them kind of up and down, up and down. And like, I can't apply for these until I'm definitely safe. I didn't know you were <laughs> high risk stuff. Yeah, I've got very, very bad asthma. Uh, so I, 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 as soon as this crisis hit, I, I quarantined myself about a fortnight before lockdown started, because um, it's because I can't afford to get it. Yeah, Alice, um, James spoke yeah. about getting the text message as well, saying you're high risk, um, and just you're in. He couldn't even take his mm. kids to the park, you know, for a socially isolated walk and stuff. It was a case of just the hallway in the the bedroom, the living room, the kitchen. I mean, for, I'm not, I'm not for, the. For, Sorry, for people that are quite outgoing, that get in their car each week, going to different gigs and seeing different people and feeding off the energy of, of new people, new faces, new reactions, and all of a sudden you get a text comes through from the government that says, get in the house and you can't come back <laughs> out. I mean, I know there are terrible things, but you can't dismiss how bad that must feel. Well, I th- I think something I found is I expected to find it really hard. I I think I'm very extroverted. I love meeting people. I love hanging out with different people all the time. I love how many friends I have thanks to stand up. And like, yeah, I've missed those friends. It's a shame not to see them. But actually, I've had a lovely time <laughs> in the house by myself. Doing my- well, not by myself. I've got you know I'm here with my wife, which is very fortunate. We we have. <laughs> got on non-stop which is very you know i realize not everyone is so lucky but um but actually yeah i, I mean i've caught up on Norma telly i've read so many books i'm reading a lot of comics at the minute i'm sort of it, it's sort of nice it's it, i i thought i'd feel trapped because i i mean i've never spent so long in one city uh the longest i spend in one city really every year is in the edinburgh festival and even that's in edinburgh which doesn't really feel like a city more like a sort of fairy tale weird sort of non like weird like fictional 
like it is, you know like, what I mean, like magic city, like yeah. Hogwarts city or whatever. Like a midsummer um, night's dream because we spend most of the time at night. Time doesn't yeah. exist there. Yeah. You know, the times I've rung people at midnight thinking, oh, it's only about nine o'clock, and they're like, fuck off, it's midnight, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot, oh, my God, such an amazing time. How are you feeling about, just to get off topic a little bit, are you missing Edinburgh this year, though, Steph? I am. Do you know what? I think my body thinks I'm in Edinburgh. Because it's all good. <laughs> like, I was walking. I was walking around the other day, and my it was like my brain was like, it got into that sort of, slightly celebratory slightly stressed mindset that you get into in that festival i, th- I think like because i've it's my we first year people as they walk past the house i think the, la- the last august that i didn't go to edinburgh was i think 2013 maybe 2014 oh it's, it's been a long time um and, and you know most of those have been you know the full month uh, you know, doing a solo show every day. It's been, yeah, I I quite like it. I think it's because you because you do it because you have to really. I mean, yeah. I I don't think my career would be where it is if it wasn't for the Edinburgh Festival because it makes you better. It also connects you to people that can give you work. So I so I think I think it was important for me to do it. But yeah. it's nice to have an excuse not to. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You know, I've so never done yeah, a solo run because um, unfortunately, well not unfortunately, but I've had to. I've had to have a day job, and um, but oh, I did two weeks last year, which is the clo- the my longest I've stayed away. And I absolutely loved it, and this year it was going to be right. As you know, the last few years, I think the first year I did it like just as like on a whim with two weeks to go. I was like, can I have a spot, please? I got one at BBH, and it was amazing. Did it for a week. And then um, the next year, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm going to write a proper show. And then I did it last minute again because I was like, well, I want to do it. <laughs> and this year was going to be the first year that I did a proper show. I'm mm. a bit guessed. It just means I've got an extra year to write stuff. And as it stands, I'm, st- I'm meant to be doing the Women in Comedy uh, Festival in October. So, you know, I haven't had anything through to say that's been cancelled. So we shall see. You never know. So I'm, I'm going to start writing my old show again but next week I think I'll start looking at it again but I've needed a bit of time off to kind of miss doing comedy just a bit like you need to live a bit so it must be like songwriting I guess really where you need to have a bit of time off live a bit of life and then come back and have something to say about it yeah this is the uh, it's the advice Josie Long is really famous for is you need to live in the world you're writing about um, I, I think it's so true. I think I think that's good as an artist. I think it's also essential for your mental health. If yeah. You, because if you put all your eggs in the basket of your career, what's left? You know, like I mean, I've got friends living in London, spending you know a grand a month on rent for a tiny box room in a horrible part of town. Which, well, that was fine when they were kind of living, you know, embracing living this dream of I'm a starving artist. I'm, out, you know, they weren't spending much time in the flat anyway because they were out meeting people, making connections, networking, doing all the stuff. Whereas, you know, for the last four months or whatever it is, five months, four thousand years, whatever it's been, <laughs> it's they're like they're just they're just they have to live it. They have to live there. They have to they have to spend a grand a month to live in a horrible room in a horrible city. Well, you know, obviously loads of people have 
headed back to their hometowns or back to their parents, you know, once they could. But, you know, not everyone has the luxury of being able to do that. Whereas because I live in Swansea, where the, you know, cost of housing is very cheap, you know, I've actually got, you know, like a really a house that I really love living in. Um, you know, I've, I'm happy that I always put my relationship as a top priority that I didn't, you know, I didn't take my eye off the ball because of my, my career. Um, it, if gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's so fortunate because you sort of, you know, yeah, you, you, I count myself lucky for not being more obsessive than I am. I mean, I'm reasonably obsessive about my career, but, uh, but it could definitely and have been I a lot worse. I have been to Edinburgh, but, um, because I've always been out of the country and I was hoping to go to Edinburgh as just a pure, you know, what was it? I can't remember who it was. Maybe Lou Louise Lee said to us, you know, you can only go to Edinburgh once as a first timer, you know? And yeah. From my view, you guys go up there and spend a million pounds to share a bed with eight people, um, <laughs> where you get a venue that's like in in um, Fife. Um, that it's, it's the fringe, 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 fringe. Uh, you have to fly here all day, and you come away with like three grand in debt. And if anything, because you have you guys have been able to make money off gigs at the beginning of this year, you didn't have any disposable income to waste on Edinburgh in the middle. Well, actually, I mean, yeah, like a lot. Gone. <laughs> I, th- I think that the unspoken truth of Edinburgh is actually that there are two strands to it. Yeah, there, that like there are people. Most people will lose money on it because because rent is so expensive and it goes up yeah. in August, of course. That most people will just lose their money on that. But when you hear about people really losing money, usually what you're talking about is the big professionals who hire the most prestigious venues. Um, you know, the ones with agents behind them who are you know they're, they're the ones hoping to get on telly and. That's never been what I've used it for. I'm not particularly bothered about... I, I don't have ambitions particularly to do English language telly. I'm very happy with the media career that I have as it is. and I'm, I don't intend to leave Swansea. So if you're a bit more... If you're less ambitious, you can still get a lot out of Edinburgh. So um, the last four years in a row, I've made a profit in Edinburgh. Quite a considerable one. Ooh. And part of that is because... I mean, I've got a friend in Edinburgh who he charges me rent, but not monstrous rent. So it's a little bit easier to um, to, to make ends meet. He sort of charges a normal human rent rather than kind of the, the ludicrous sums that he could get away with if he wanted to. Um, and, uh, and, and, and also, I go up with the PBH Free Fringe, which is, you know, a, a very old organisation by now. Well, I say very old. It's been going about 21, 22 years. Um, but that started... It's a very simple idea. It's just an organisation. It's not for profit. It goes into just random pubs in Edinburgh and goes, can we put a gig on in your venue? And, you know, what you get out of it as a venue is people will come and spend money on the bar. What we get out of it is we can give our acts a space to perform for free. And then it's bucket collection. You you know, there are disadvantages because you're not allowed to spend to, to charge for tickets. But, you know, you, you just explain at the end that the way you, you're able to afford to be there is with a bucket collection and people can be very, very generous. And I think more people have embraced that model as, as the years have gone by and better and better acts are sort of taking advantage of that uh, of that model. Also, what you won't get is you won't get any awards for it because awards people generally don't come to free fringe shows, not unless you've got a very powerful agent who can kind of get them in for you. So if you care about awards, if you care about reviews, don't bother. But. 
you don't actually need awards and reviews. People think you do, but you don't. Um, the only point of awards and reviews... Awards and reviews can bring you to the attention of telly people. So if you're very ambitious, yes, you probably need those things. But if you don't want to be on telly, if you're happy to just have like a normal journeyman career as a stand-up, as long as you're happy to... If, if your dream is just to make a living from stand-up or even just to make enough money that it's worth it, um, go free French because, because, because it's marketing. Awards and reviews seem handy because they help get people in, but there's no better way to get people in than just to explain what the show is in a way that is really clear and do your own flyering. Um, the money I do spend every year, I, I, I get a, an excellent graphic designer to do my flyers because I, I think you can't skimp on that. There's no point. Um, if you don't have good flyers, you won't stand out. But again, that's because I've been going a few years. When you're there for the first time, just do what you like. You know, make your mistakes. Just have fun. It's a laugh. It's a festival. Um, but I've been going there a while now, so I kind of want to get people into my show. So I spend good money on the design, and then I just everything else I do by hand. Um, instead of getting reviews, I ask audiences to review my shows. And then once I've got a little collection of those reviews, I just staple them onto my onto my flyers. I do that myself. I just print them off. I just sit there with a guillotine, like sort of cutting up the reviews, <laughs> stapling them on. I hand them out myself. I've I've never hired a flyerer in my life. Sometimes friends do me a favour and help me flyer, but um, I very rarely ask them to do that either. I usually just stand outside for an hour myself in the cold and the rain, going, "This is my show. If you want how, to come and see it." How many flyers <laughs> do you get done? How, what is a number? I get ten thousand, and it's probably too many. I I probably only need five thousand, but I'm always a bit like I get a good deal on ten thousand. So I, I I'm and so I don't know. It's you never know. You know, it, it, it like if your show suddenly takes off, you might need a lot more, or a, it's it's or or even if there's not enough people are coming, you might need more because you might need to spend more time flyering. So it's it's a bit of a dark art how many you need. To be honest, how many flyers you get done depends on how good you are at flyering. If you're terrible at marketing your show when you fly it, you need more flyers. Yeah. Whereas uh, my, my favourite story about this from last year, my friend Phil, um, brilliant comedian Phil Cooper, like me, he's a very kind of independent, kind of DIY type of comedian. Um, his flyers were late arriving. So his first day, he had no flyers. So what he did was he had the design for the flyer on his phone, but he, did, you know, he knew he had all these thousands of flyers coming. But he didn't have any. So he went into a print shop and he said, can you just print me one flyer? Just one. Right. And then he stood there again <laughs> in the cold and the rain in Edinburgh with one flyer. And anyone who came past, he said, hi, gang, I'm doing a show. It's my show. It's my comedy show. This is a flyer for it. But you can't have it because it's the only flyer. <laughs> And so people would stop and go, why have you only got one flyer? And he'd go, oh. and he'd just tell the story. And he's so naturally funny, Phil, that him telling the story of why he only has one flyer was so hilarious. He filled out that room. That room was rammed. Yeah, the he's brilliant. Absolutely full. The, the following day, all his flyers arrived. He flyered normally with normal flyers. The room was only half full. Because <laughs> that's the trick. It's not about the flyers. It's it's how you get your, the word out there. And and if you think outside the box, there's so many good ways. Um, was it there's, there's really so many someone people. you want to spend an hour with for sure? He's a yeah. real, you know, he's a good raconteur. He's like he's so lovely. You just get that vibe of oh, just talk to me for an hour, Phil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I, and I think for anyone for anyone doing the kind of comedy that I do. Uh, we, you know, which I think of as like independent comedy, um, 
like it's me you know when i put on a show it really is me putting my own thing on you know i mean obviously pbh gives me the room like they work incredibly hard for me to be able to put on my own show but the content of that show that's all me i've written every word of that no one's no one's checked to make sure it's funny enough that's it's <laughs> been me by myself i mean obviously i've got friends who will give me notes and you know, I, work, I mean i spent a year writing these shows i do think they're very good but it's but it's kind of an independent thing. So if people like my show, they like my work. They like me. People buy into me as a person. I think that's quite nice because I think people are tricked into that thinking that's the relationship they have to more famous comedians. I think people go and watch Ricky Gervais and they think at the end, you know, oh, I feel like he was my mate because he just talked to me. But he's talking to 10,000 people at once. Whereas I think with a more kind of grassroots organic uh, career for kind of uh, independent comedians, you can have a proper... You know, like, I mean, the people who support my work are so incredibly important to me. And I do remember them. I remember who comes, you know, I, there's faces that I see every year. Oh, you saw me last year. I, I do notice that stuff. And I don't point it out to them. I'm, you know, like you don't want to make someone feel awkward. But um, I'm very grateful for all the people who, um, you know, not just in Edinburgh, locally as well. You know, there's, um, I think that's been something quite nice about, there's a really, really friendly comedy scene in, in South Wales that is just, it's just got so many brilliant people starting and they are comedians in their own right. They perform their own stuff, but they also come and watch you when you do new stuff. And that's really, really lovely. And it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, did you see that film Minority Report with Tom Cruise and where he walks around, it's all futuristic. And as you walk along, the way you see the billboards, they're all personalised adverts. Mm. Edinburgh is going to get to the point where you're walking along, someone sees you and the phone just goes beep, beep. And you fly yeah. at their phone electronically. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That'd it's be become great. such an arms race, the marketing in Edinburgh. But the the beauty of it is, you you like it doesn't matter. You can spend all the money in the world. You can buy the biggest billboard. You can make it entirely futuristic. You could you could have a three D hologram animated tailor made advert. You can never compete with authenticity. You can't compete with just a guy telling you, "I'm putting on this show." do you want to come and see it you know that moment you know when i think of that i think of people like um you know one of my favorite acts at the moment is alice fraser the australian comedian and she i just saw her doing 10 minutes in a very very small room you know like at the top of a very tall building and i just and it spoke to me there was something about what she was saying that i thought this is really exciting it's really funny but it's also ah she's kind of putting her finger on stuff that it made me want to hear what else she had to say. So now that she's in massive rooms, you know, filling mm. it out, mm. you just kind of look around and you go, this hasn't happened because because she had an agent who pushed for it and because she got on telly. I mean, she has done stuff on telly. She, I'm sure she has got a good agent. But a lot of it is just, it's a very pure and honest type of work that she does and it's just attracted mm. an audience that loves what she does. Mm. It's interesting. She, she always comes up with interesting, like, um, concepts and talks around that concept then it's it's really interesting but we've got um seymour butts <laughs> has asked is a comedian his own worst critic good question. Um, yeah who wants to go first with that one i've got my ideas i want to hear from I, lucy yeah. first you're new go on then lucy what do you think <laughs> i'm i'm terrible because i'll if i if i've done the beat on one wrong joke and it's and it's fluffed up my timing for the next line I will, I'll be like, well, oh, that's the whole, oh, yeah. 
It's all ruined. <laughs> <laughs> and because of being new as well and not having that practice to cope with the bumps so like the, the one gig where the woman was talking at the beginning of my show and and I messed the line up which meant I, I messed up the second line because I couldn't just show must go on it I couldn't just I, I, I it, it flummoxed me and threw me and then that's all I could remember for the rest of the gig because I haven't got that practice of picking myself up and dusting myself off um, mm. Sometimes I think comedians could be more of their own critics, <laughs> especially <laughs> the ones that tell the offensive jokes and they're like, legend. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> that's, that was going to be my answer is it depends on the comedian. Because there's comedians out there and they look like they die in their ass and they'll come off going, stormed it. And I'm like, did you do you really think that or are you that delusional because you've got to have a little bit of delusionality to get up yeah. there in the first place but i think you should still at least be aware that you know oh, that could have gone better there's only so much you can control but there's quite a lot you can control but i think um yeah i mean it's hard to get true criticism anyway of other people because there's either people trying to kiss your ass because, you know, I, you know, running Rafaz, some people used to think that, you know, it's literally first come, first served. Anyone can have a go, but people would still think that they needed to kiss my ass to get a spot. Um, you know, people aren't, I think unless you have people that, there are people I'll go to and I'll say, right, can you tell me what you really think? And I think that's valuable. But you should really be able to critique yourself. It's this is a really good point, Sarah. I hadn't really thought of this. Like, the, actually, yeah, the flip side of it is who's a comedian's best critic? Because, mm. yeah, because it is hard. To, you know, it's hard because you need, I think you need three things from someone to give good criticism. And one of them is you need them to be correct. They, they, you, need, you need someone who's got a good professional instinct for what is good, what you're doing well and what you're not. Because mm-hmm. criticism from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about isn't very useful. Um, secondly, you need them to be able to be honest. And that means in both directions. They have to be honest about the good stuff and the bad stuff. They can't be sucking up to you, but they also can't be just putting you down either. And I think the third thing you need is you need, this is from you, you need to be able to trust them. So, so it has to be someone probably who's invested in your success. It has to be you have to trust that they find you funny because sometimes I've had criticisms of people who've said you should do this. And I think, yeah, but you don't like what I do. Not really. I mean, you, know, it's not, you don't hate it, but like my genre isn't for you. So, you, you know, sometimes people might tell me to, oh, you should go down that route. And yeah, that would work for you. But it's not it's not really what I do. Um but I, so I, I have my people who are like that. And I've got uh, I've got a handful of people who I'll always want to see my comedy when I'm writing something new, because I know that I'll get a good mix. I'll get an, uh, a response that is professionally astute, that is honest, but that's also compassionate. Um, mm. I, I, in fact, I think I'm going to answer the question, who's, who's a comedian's worst critic? It's not you. It's nearly you. Like mm. a comedian's, you're, you're nearly your own worst critic, but the person who's a slightly worse critic than you is the person who thinks you they want that you want to hear their opinion after you've had a very tough gig. Oh, yes. Yeah. They're the worst and, critics. <laughs> and it's the person who's like, who comes up to you and goes, right, I'll tell you why it went wrong. And you sort of go, look, <laughs> I know it went wrong. Like, I heard the lack of laughter also. Like, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> and aren't they always there within seconds? And you're like, 
just give me a minute. I just yeah. need to process. Yeah. Just hang on there. Because you know that you're the, fucking Sarah the, Sarah Millican, the Sarah Millican rule, is it 10 or 11am? You can think about a good gig or a bad gig until 10am the next day and then you must either stop, stop, you know, be thinking oh, you're great. Or you yeah. um, but I think then there needs to be a sub, sub rule of people, when you've had a bad gig or you've, you've, not even a bad gig, there are always certain things that you think I could have done that better. Those people that think that you want their opinion, fuck me, they're like Mo Farah. They are up there, there within. Oh, it's this, then it's this, and it's sort of like—is there not a rule where they must not approach you for at least two hours? Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I mean, but, I mean, part of it is getting the right type of thick skin because what you have to understand about those people is they're not giving you the advice because they think you need it. They don't actually care what you think you need. They are talking to you because they want to make a good impression on you weirdly even if you've just tanked a gig even if you've just had a terrible gig where no one laughed they want to impress you they want because you were just on stage and so if you've i mean if you've smashed if you've had a good gig when people give you advice after a good gig it's because they want you as the as, as a comedian to recognize they're brilliant as well oh i'm brilliant i, I know just a thing you could have done you could have said this or you could have done that you know it's because most people want to be listened to. I think most people want to go on chat shows. I think that's why chat shows exist is, you know, people want to go and share their opinions. And so if you're, if you, you know, if you're sitting there watching, like, I mean, everyone does that. Everyone's parents do this where they watch TV. Like I remember my dad would watch TV and he'd criticize television. I mean, no, my dad didn't never worked yes. in television. Like he had no idea how it got made, but he had strong opinions on when it went wrong. Well, that's it. It's that people have these strong opinions and they want to they want to tell someone. So when you can go up to the person because they seem approachable and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that stuff about on that subject because it went down like a bucket of lead, didn't it? That wasn't like they're not they, they know they're not helping. That isn't what they want. They just want you to think that they are brilliant. They want you to think they're clever. Um, they want to be liked. Everyone just wants to be liked. Yeah. What about the comedians? Like, you know, when you know you definitely had a, an amazing gig you've absolutely i had this one gig last year where i absolutely stormed it i had a great time and the other two acts on the bill who i knew very well because the local act didn't really speak to me i'm like yeah smashed it and i would have thought they would have gone oh yeah well done bridge that was great but they were like looking at me like daggers and i was like interesting I'm I'm sure I had a good gig. You know, there have been times where I'm like, I smashed it. And then I listen back and I go, oh, no, it was very quiet. Why did I think that was amazing? You know? Well, keep, this yeah. One, yeah. I, I think it's helpful to surround yourself with people who will celebrate your successes with you. And sometimes that isn't the other acts on the bill. It depends on where it is. I think the national circuit is lovely like that. I think, it, I think if, I, if I do a club gig, like a circuit gig that goes well, it's notoriously... Um, friendly and and supportive like and and i think because i'm like you know i mean in my 30s i'm not like a young kid but i'm relatively young by the standards of a club comic so like even now i quite like that there's a sort of almost parental relationship that some of the you know some of the people have been doing it since the 80s have well you know they'll be a bit proud of me because i'm the young kid coming through oh, well done you entertained those people well done and like that's really nice you go for a drink with them afterwards i think at, at more local level it's a little bit um, I think there's more insecurity. You know, if you're doing a gig where everyone's getting paid hundreds of pounds, 
yeah. there's no insecurity. We all know, yeah, we're all, you know, even if you're the person who's on in the middle getting a bit less than everyone else, you're still getting paid. You're still making a profit. You're still, you know, you're still living the dream. So no one feels insecure. So you, so, you know, the, the act in the middle will praise the headliner. The headliner will praise the act in the middle. For the most part, there's a couple, there's some egos, but mostly not, actually. Mostly it's really, people just, I think they, they are at a point where they, they're comfortable with themselves, so they just love it. Mm. I think sometimes you can do a local gig where people are, ah, people just aren't sure what, where they stand. Then mm. the reason they probably didn't compliment you was because they weren't thinking about it. They were thinking about their own gigs. Yes. Whether that went well or not, you know, they were yeah. they were hope they were like, "Where's my compliment?" Because that's what most you know, because because people want that validation. Yeah, and I, I think it's well. I have a T-shirt over my head going Bridgman Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well think, the sooner yeah. you can do that, the better. I mean, I, I <laughs> like I learned very early. Like if 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 someone's if someone's had a good gig, just tell them. Just tell them that yes. it was great because no one ever gets bored of hearing that. No matter how famous they are, no matter how new they are, if someone's if someone's had a great gig, just tell them. Just like nice t- tell them a joke everyone. you enjoyed. Yeah. Again, what kind of joke? Tell them a joke you enjoyed. You know, you'll always find something. You'll always find something positive in in whatever someone's done. And and, and also, like, it helps you learn from it as well. I I think if I'm watching very new acts, even if it's someone doing their first ever gig, you can always learn something. Absolutely. And I think people forget as well that from an audience point of view, they're not seeing one act, they're seeing a show. But if... Better everyone does, the better the show, the better the audience yeah. has it. You know, it's not all about you yeah, as an individual. Yes, it's about the whole show. Like a lot of the nights that I've been on with Lucy, Lucy will make a point of in the chat be like, "Oh, well done, stormed it, excellent." We can't big each other up, and it just feels so much nicer as a gig. And then you're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm good to go. I'm raring to go." Rather than those nights where people are like, you know, we've all done gigs where like the promoter will go, all right, uh, so if it's going well, you can do eight minutes. But if it's not going very well, get off, do five. And you're like, yeah. I, 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 I can't decide that in the moment. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and it just makes you feel under pressure then, which no one does well in that environment. Well, that's, yeah, it's a weird note to give because timing is a real dark art with, with stand-up. It takes years. Like, yeah it takes a long time before you're able to really fine-tune timings i mean yeah i think i think you know once once you're at a point where you're like do 20 but if it's going well feel free to do an extra five like that's okay because you kind of yeah because you know you know once you're 15 minutes in if you're enjoying it enough to want to stay on or not yeah tuesday night i was doing the timings for the dropped co-hosting and um, this guy had done his five, but he's like, he'd gone past the four minute flash and the message and he got to five. And then he went, oh, um, have I got time for one more joke? Have I hit my time? And I said, if it's funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, no, it's, it's fine. Thanks very much. Hand it back to the MC. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, it's so strange though, isn't it? But again, it's, it's one of those things. There's, again, there's no... When you're doing, when you do like a new act, a new material night, sometimes you get lucky, obviously, that, you know, there are brilliant new act, new material nights run by very experienced comics who've been going a long time. But a lot of them are just run by someone who's been going six months who just wanted an opportunity to learn how to MC or to, you know, have their friends on and stuff. Um, 
it's it's tricky because you're trying you're trying to learn from people who are actually quite new themselves so you're all trying to kind of get into it together so you don't really know what the etiquette is about how much timing is allowed and uh so yeah it's it's a funny thing depends on how many acts are on you know like when i was new when i started an open mic night was six acts doing 10 minutes but there are so many more comedians now an open mic night is like 15 acts doing five minutes so if you overrun in that slot it matters a lot more if you could overrun it's not just your own time you're wasting. <laughs> Half the world as well. Seymour right, Butch has asked, what's been the wildest thing that's happened backstage before or after a gig? Um, to be honest, most of the gigs that I've been at, it, it, the wildest thing is it's generally people that you know having a bit of a laugh and a bit of a natter or worrying about your set. Um, and the pro, the really pro gigs, like when I've been at the Glee or in Sirencester, everyone's so professional, and especially the proper pros, they've done this set a billion times. They literally, they're like, they can get on stage with a minute to go, and they just get on the stage, they do it, they storm it, they come off there, thank you very much, come back. They're so professional. It's not like the ones I've been to, it's not like rock and roll. I, I agree not like a few years ago, that. No. <laughs> yeah. For me, the wildest thing is when one of the younger male comedians has the confidence to come up to a woman of 39 and put in a sequin cat suit and say hello because I can see the fear in their eyes. She's <laughs> 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 <I'm laughs> wild. Yeah, I think comedians. I'm I'm sure I'll think of exceptions, but all my favourite memories of backstage—they're not wild stories. They're just which is because we're storytellers. I suppose we're not we're not living a wild life. We're telling stories. Our favourite stories of a wild time. So like, so all my favourite memories are people telling me God the stories people tell. You know that um, whether they're stories of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or whether it's a story about seeing a ghost in a place or whatever, you know, because you get people from all walks of life. Like, you just get so many bizarre stories. But actual events... I did once do a gig where, um, while the headliner was on, the audience started fighting among itself. Yeah. And so... Was it so the cancelled. Like, they, they, the, the headliners came off during his set because the audience wasn't listening because they started fighting. Um, so we all went upstairs where the green room was, and we, we had to hide because, um, you know, the, most of the audience went home, but the ones who wanted the fight were sticking around and they wanted to, like, try it on with the comedians. So we had to hide upstairs until <laughs> everyone had gone. Because everyone was like, threatening to fight us. And we were all, you know, weedy comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come here to fight. Come here to tell <laughs> jokes and piss about. <laughs> Which part of so you needed strong... You'd need some strong... Punchlines. Oh, I'm, I'm not happy. <laughs> and Lucy's frozen in a perfect position. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have this up. I'm so sorry, Steph. You and but the three of us could talk for another six hours. I got a funny. We're going to have to have you back on, love. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks, Steph. Thanks so much. Mwah. Lovely to see oh, your face. Can I ask, is, oh, there anything, is there anything to plug? I can't seem to find um, you, like, if you've got a Facebook comedy page or anything. Is there any anywhere 
I have a, I have a, on Facebook, I've got an official group. If you want to look up the Stefan Allen official group, uh, otherwise follow me on Twitter. Uh, when I do stuff, I'll put it up there. I've been streaming recently, although I haven't done that in a while, but, uh, I'll probably start that up again soon. So that's, uh, S T A L U N. That's my, uh, Twitter handle. I realize it looks like Stalin. That is not on purpose. <laughs> It sounds like Saint Alan. <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer Saint Alan. Yeah. 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 Oh, but follow Steph for comedy and communism. <laughs> not guaranteed. He's not a cult leader. You may look like it, but he's not. We promise. <laughs> oh, it's been lovely to chat with you, Steph. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favourite part where you go, oh, isn't he lovely? He's left you said he was nice. You say he was lovely. And you can talk at Yeah. I know, exactly. I was like, um, so um, I'm just copying and pasting um, to put in the chat so that everyone can see it. It's for the Stefan Allen official group on Facebook. Awesome. Um, so that's all posted that way. So that is that, that. Ta-da! Stefan yeah. Allen official group. And, uh, right, okay. Uh, on Twitter. Yeah, Sarah, so, so I don't know if you're ready for this, all right, but you're about to have your mind blown. All right. All right. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm ready. I've got a headache. Go on. Um, so we've got quarter of an hour left, but I just yeah. wanted to say we're going to be reviewing this. Three weeks into my relationship with Jenny, I built up the courage to ask her to go on a trip to Bermuda. I wanted to show her how much more money I could put in my credit card. And <laughs> since I didn't have a lot left, we went to Bermuda because it was the off-season. You can get these great deals online because as it turns out, when it's winter in New York, it is also winter. <laughs> in Bermuda and... Uh... nearly crying i'm so happy we're so professional you're so professional oh well done yes you deserve that smug face lady well done oh that's so cool oh it's It's our first week with joke pitch you know what i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) we've done so well we're both here (laughs) brilliant yeah exactly so you start because i mean i've got opinions on it um but i'd love to know yours because he he seems to come across as loving you seem to love him a lot more and i'd love to i'd love to to you know when somebody really loves something i'd love to watch it through your eyes i enjoyed it the whole time i thought i bet she's absolutely crying with laughter right now kind of thing so so give me give me your opinion. Okay, so I first came to Mike Birbiglia through listening because I've got Google on my phone. I pay for Google Play, and I'm always looking for comedians on there. They have a lot of American comedians um, rather than British comedians. Like all this guy, so I'll give it a go. He, he basically one of his shows. He'd been um, like trolling people on Twitter to listen to it, and that was Sleepwalk with Me, which was his first special. So after seeing six months of this. I saw um, him, my my girlfriend's boyfriend on the Google Play and I listened to it. I've got to say, my first listen, I was like, yeah, this is all right. I quite, this, 
enjoyable. And I listened to it again and some of his other stuff. The reason why I love Mike Birbiglia is that storytelling, when you first listen to it, you think, oh, that's an interesting story. And then when you listen to it again, you're like, oh, my God, he's packed so many jokes in what you think is just, and opinions and facts, in what you think is just a story. So with my girlfriend's boyfriend, you think it's just a story about how his girlfriend had a boyfriend, his early girlfriend had a boyfriend, and then later on his new girlfriend also kind of had a boyfriend, how he dealt with it. It's about so much more. He just fits so much into that hour, into that special. So I'm not sitting there pissing myself. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, what? I just think he's amazing as a comedian. And then watching it on Netflix, because I watched it on Netflix this morning, I think it's only the second time I've visually watched it. I've listened to that show like a billion times. Oh. And yeah, and seeing, and it's really quite visual. Like he rolls around on the floor. I really like that, you know, he's like, he plays this sort of slightly dumb character and he shows it in his face and he's like, oh my God. And like, and there's a reaction one of the audience when they laugh at what is about to happen to him. And he's like, I know, I'm also in the future. So I just, I love his style of comedy much more than any one particular show, but we had to show do a show and that one I knew was on Netflix and it's probably one of my, my favourite ones. But yeah, I love him as an act more for the kind of act that he is, really. So yeah, so I know that doesn't specifically review my girlfriend's boyfriend. For me, for that show... He just gets so much in there. I like his use of, like I say, his visual, his face, you know, the um, the way he uses his voice at times, um, physical comedy at times, um, as well as it's. it seems quite a straightforward, kind of boring story. It's like, it's basically how I met my wife's story. But at no point does he say, so it's not straightforward with it. He's not saying, right, so... You're mar- we're all married. I hated being. I never thought I'd get married. It's not a straightforward thing. It's it's kind of it's really conversational. So I love it. I love it for all those reasons. And I could waffle on for hours about it. So ooh, I'm I'm prepared because when I was watching it this morning, I'm like, oh god, I hope Lucy's not sitting there <laughs> and going. You were watching it wondering what I was thinking, and I was watching wondering what you were thinking. <laughs> we are a sweetest couple on the internet. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um I I I I liked I liked the relaxedness. You know, mm. I mean if you compare it to Black Mitzvah where it was like mm. bang. So bang, yeah. do you know it comes on you know, literally on the shoulders of people. Whereas yeah. he was kind of like, Hi, I'm a comedian, I'm about to do some comedy. And mm. um he what caught my eye, caught my eye, caught my ear, caught my mind, I don't know what the right phrase is, but a lot of Americans don't seem to cope with the self-deprecation that British people can do. Yeah. Um, and it's not if, part of their culture, is it? It's not part of their culture. And when they do, it, it stands out as American self-deprecation. It still isn't British self-deprecation. Um and and he can do it, like even down to the fact of, you know, this isn't this is my first choice of outfit. You know, yes. option B yeah. I'd be naked. Um for yeah. those who think this outfit is because my other was in the wash, no. <laughs> um, 
and uh, and yeah, and then him rolling around on the stage. I love slapstick. Um, yeah. I noticed I noticed over the years sitting with um, um, somebody I used to know, <laughs> used to live with him and everything, and um, uh, there could be a really witty joke, and then somebody would do something slapstick, and I would piss myself laughing. As much as I love um, like really intelligent play on words and stuff just trip over i'll cry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i also love like the use of his voice so he talks about the scrambler he's like i'm scrambler and he's imagining the uh, meeting with all the executives and and how he plays that out as well he, he like yeah. rinses as much as he possibly can out of a thing out of a story He's, he's, he's not Tiffany Haddish. He's not Jimmy Carr. You know, no. he is not this. He's not this. But he neither tries to be it. He's definitely more in your Harry Hannigadsby kind of, I'm just going to do some talking. Yeah. That's Um And, and I'm, I'm enjoying sort of us choosing such wild and strange comedians because there's no, no, they're similar to it. But I mean, right. We'll go back to Jim Jeffries, all right? I do. I love Jim Jeffries' gun control, you know? And then we have mm. like his, um, what the fuck was it called? Intolerance. We like well, intolerance. It wasn't good we enough, like, was it? But, but you know, you are not going to get that Mike Bigley. I have to read the screen. Mike Bigley <laughs> going, the problem with the Michelin star restaurants is um, <laughs> he he's just, he's down to earth. You can see he's professional and he's making money out of his job, but there's no point complaining about how long the valet comes to bring your Maserati to you. Um, yeah. He, you know, even though he comes across as this guy, this guy packs a house, this guy is making money. Mm. You know, you can tell with Jimmy Carr, the, the, the cut of his suit is proportional to the, the, the money he's making. This guy, he is a big name, and you can tell he's a big name, and he's polished. He's rehearsed, and he's dedicated to his set. But it's not like, bah! Not um, yeah. No, and even, like, he, you know, you think, okay, he's talking about happy marriages. He's talking about, you know, meeting his missus and everything. And then he goes, we're that couple that if you're not sure about getting married, we'll test you. Um, are you sure? <laughs> Um, yeah, and he, yeah. <laughs> his misdirects aren't like you know Jimmy Carr basically making a pedo joke where you're like, where the fuck did that come from? His misdirects are. Did he just say he talks people out of marriage even though he's in a happy marriage? Yeah. This, yeah. It's um, it's a very, it's a little warm duvet of a comedy set. I like him. There's there's craft, there's thought, there's practice, but it isn't going to punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be... For me, I like him best as well when I've got him... When I'm, I've am i got a long journey to go, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit and listen to a bit of Mike Bibiglia. And um, also, you know, what was I going to say? He, so he came about... Mike Bibiglia came about... Um, he used to have... Um, He's got a special on Google. It's called something like My Secret Diary, My Secret Public Diary. And he used to write like a, a, a blog. And um, so this blog, uh, he'd email people his blog, uh, his weekly blog. And um, so that's where that came from. So all his best stuff, this is stuff on Google Play called My Secret Public Journal. That's it, My Secret Public Journal. And that, I reckon, is his, probably his comedy set. So his club set. So I, I would really recommend 
um, going back, and I love this. You know when you find a comedian and you're like, oh, I want to, like with Tiffany Hider, she's like, oh, great, I like this comedian. Right, I want to, I want to know all the stuff, and then I'll go on YouTube and I go, right, what were they like six years ago? What were they like ten years ago when they were just doing five? So they were on Comedy Central. What was their five like? You know, um, or they're on Just for Laughs. What was their five like? I love all that. He's got a lot of material out there, and yes, Seymour, but he. He's he's got to be one of the best storytellers, like comedians out there. Uh, he's just fucking brilliant. I love it for that. So yeah, for so even if you like, I would rather be punched in the face with my punchline. If you love comedy, he's worth listening to and watching just for the craft. If if he's not yeah. your cup of tea, he's probably not watching. But my friend Jason, I've watched a few of his stand-ups from when he was actually a live person on a stage where they were people. <laughs> Do you remember them? Um, yeah. And what about? There's, there's a very similar air with, mm. with the build and the holding of the mic and the, the stance and the, and the tone. I think there is a yeah. It, if that is not a bad, that's not a bad persona or style or or style to emulate. Yeah, I love it. And there's lots of storyteller comedians out there, like locally, Matt Price. He's an amazing storyteller comedian. So good from Cornwall. He's great. So if you can check him out, yeah. um, he's amazing. And there's a woman, Sarah something, Steph Allen would have known. Sarah, oh, beginning oh, no, he's, left, he's left. He's left. He's, <laughs> he's gone back to the person he lives with. Oh, that's right, his wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ellen Allen. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to come back and tell you guys next week, or um, we'll put it on the Facebook group. There's loads out there. And once you realise, oh, there's lots of different styles and genres of comedians I, I do love a storyteller I do <laughs> and I think new acts will go oh well I'm more of a storyteller really when they don't get laughs and it's because Mike Raviglia proves you can't just have a story you've got to have he has like one-liners all the way through when you go back and go oh my god yeah there was a one-liner but the way he's like delivering it isn't like bam 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 it's like He's telling this massive story. It's so crafted. It's so well done. I don't know how he does it either. So I love it. Absolutely great. I'm glad you didn't hate it. <laughs> I'm glad you... I well, don't know if enjoy is the right word, but... <laughs> when we had our difficult week a couple of weeks ago, um, I wasn't in the right frame to watch any comedy, but I was like, I got it because the thing's coming up. And I watched yeah. the, the other one. I watched his, the one that's called The New One. So I watched the wrong mm. one. In the wrong time frame, I got yeah. like five minutes in and I was like, Lucy, press pause, otherwise you're going to tarnish this act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one, the new one, I've got to say, it's more of a play. It's more of a one-act yeah. play. It's not one of my favourites, I've got to say. The, the girlfriend's boyfriend was a nice, gentle storyteller, like fast act, fast jokes, but still very comfortable, like sort of smooth velvet kind of thing. Whereas the new one, mm. if you didn't have any knowledge of him whatsoever, mm. Not the best one. I mean, with um, with Hannah Gadsby, we went in with Douglas, whereas maybe mm. we should have gone in with Nanette, and I still haven't had a chance to watch Nanette, but maybe... I don't I know. I, don't know. I really like Douglas. From the two, I thought there were more jokes in Douglas. I enjoyed Douglas a lot more. I watched Nanette because literally the world and his wife were going... He's reinvented comedy as a whole new genre. And I watched, and I was one of the ones, maybe I was in a bad mood, but I was one of the ones going, this isn't comedy. You know, the first half is, the second half is just her us about how she's been sexually assaulted many times. It's really hard to watch um, a lot of it. 
But um, I will go back and watch it again because I've had so many people tell me, okay, Sarah, but you're wrong. You know, so, uh, but I loved, I loved Douglas and I really enjoyed watching it more than once. Um, so who knows? Let's see what people think. So what are we going to do next week? What's our, because it's your turn. What are we okay. doing? I have an option. I have an option for a, for a special or I have an option for a show. Okay. So I started watching this without you because the other night I just needed to. Okay, so TV is Golden Girls, mm. or okay. the special is an audience for Victoria Wood. <gasps> oh, well, we're going to do both of them at some point. They're both very, very good. I say let's do the Golden Girls then because we've just done a special. And then the next well, I will. One. I'll, 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 we'll talk more off, offline, but there are, all the Golden Girls are on YouTube. But for awesome. some reason, every copy of season one, episode one, is just like c- c- filled with gremlins. And it's one of the, and it's the most important episode because it's how they fucking get there. So yeah. I will have another look. I will try and find it because one was either like out of sync or, or whatever. Like, I don't know what, I don't know why. I mean, it was the same with the Mary Tyler Moore show. The first episode, all the other episodes were perfectly fine and up there. But episode one, season one, they're like, well, we'll make it difficult and see if they want to make it through the second one. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like um like an allegiance test. Okay. <laughs> I might see if I can actually buy it. It can't be that expensive. Maybe well, I'll have a if look. If you just buy, if you just buy number one, trust me, I've got all the links for two plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do. I love. Well, we will, we'll talk about it next week. But I do love. I remember the Golden Girls when it was out. It'll be on at like 5 p.m. on Channel 4. And um, I just loved uh, is it Blanche's accent. Blanche Devereaux. And I watched, um, not on Facebook, they got Facebook TV. They watched this, they had this cut-up episode where they discussed about um, the, you know, down south and she was celebrating the southern flag, the Confederate flag, and there was, um, Bon Cheadle was in it, actually, you know, and they were having a chat about how he was finding it upset and all the rest of it, so, but, like, without all the other funny stuff, it's quite, like, they just, somebody had just cut together all the, all the difficult stuff, I was like, oh, God, but, um, I was like, oh, my God, I seem to remember watching this at the time and not having a scooby-doo what was going on, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be really good. So, Golden Girls for next week. Cool. Yeah. We have got... Yeah, it was... Oh, good. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, it was really well done. You couldn't see the scenes, but it could have done with some light uh, bits of it. Um, so, who have we got? Who's our guest next week, Lucy? Um, our next week is Ariel Sumer, who I've been... I, I Right, it's not stalking, is it? It's researching. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the fine line. <laughs> um, who has been um, working at uh, the railway um, whilst whilst this mm. pandemic is on, um, and it's just fascinating because I I I like and do a transport because um, of who I am. But she was saying about how someone actually fell between the gap. Oh my god! Yeah, I saw yeah, that. yeah, and it's just like oh, uh, so. Right, that passenger was okay, but yeah, but it's just a case of you know there. Uh, as comedians, you know, we're, we we are people as well, and we've got real jobs, 
whilst the gigs mm. aren't coming in or whilst we're, we're new and coming up till we can make money on it. But, you know, it's really important to be able to separate the fact that, you know, these are people going out and doing key work jobs. Um, I am overexcited. <laughs> <laughs> I just think she's going to be a whirlwind. So, um, yes, um, we will. I will make a point of putting some of her stuff on on. Um, Kitchen Stink Facebook, a um, couple of links for us all to watch before before the show. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's gonna be so cool. Right, so I think that's it for this week. Thanks to everybody that watched and everyone that took part. So thank you so much. And get watching the Golden Girls ready for next week, guys. Thank you. But Sarah, I just want to say one thing to you. Thank yeah. you for being a friend. Ah. Thank you for being a friend. That's the green down the road and back again. We need a theme tune for our TV show. One of us said they were going to make a theme tune. One of us didn't. I will do it. We'll do it together. <laughs> <laughs> Because playing the guitar on online formats during comedy yeah. works so well. <laughs> uh, bye, everyone. Right, goodbye to all our Twitch viewers, our Facebook watchers, our Periscope watchers, our YouTube watchers, and don't forget, Spotify, we love you. And don't forget, we have a coffee. Feel free to... Buy us a cuppa. And come and yes. like us on, on Twitch. Anyway, thanks for yeah. this one we did theme tune to come in now and go. Follow us on Twitch. Don't be a bitch. No, that doesn't. <laughs> no, right. Uh, what? Hey, what? What's that? <laughs> Bye, everyone.